Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We are going through the book of Leviticus, and it's a difficult book. Not always is it difficult to understand, but it is a difficult book sometimes in the language that it uses, sometimes in the thoughts and doctrines that it wants to convey, and also because the heart of the book of Leviticus is that God has called us to be a holy people. We can say that differently, that God has called us to be a pure people, not to walk in that which is unclean, not to behave in a way that defiles ourselves or profanes ourselves or the name of God, but to demonstrate this spiritual purity in every aspect of our life. And that demands that we think differently. It also is a discipline when we don't skip chapters or or matters that appear in the Word of God, that we learn to deal with all of God's counsel. We must do that. And tonight, as we go through this passage of Scripture, it's one that is somewhat uncomfortable to talk about. We're dealing with discharges from the body. And some of these are in a most personal way. We want to handle them in a respectful manner, but to study all of God's Word, not simply to ignore something, set it aside, and trust that someone else will will teach it or someone else will read it on their own. We're going through the book Leviticus as we do with every book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word. And here we need to know something. There is what's called tum'ah. Tum'ah is that which is unclean, impure, that which is of defilement. And I've made mention to you several times that this concept tum'ah hinders God's blessing. When someone is unclean, someone is impure, someone is defiled, The blessings of God won't be upon him or her. They won't experience God like God wants us to experience him. There's going to be what's called a maxom, a barrier between ourselves and God because of this impurity, this uncleansiness. With that said, take out your Bible and look with me to a new chapter, chapter 15 in the book of Leviticus. Now, again, these messages from this chapter, they have relevance. We're going to be having two messages from chapter 15. And next week, when we look at the latter half of chapter 15, women are going to be at the forefront of that discussion. And we're going to be talking about that customary time of 
monthly impurity and something else that can also render that woman as unclean and that second thing is also most relevant as we begin our study tonight for the most part not entirely but for the most part we're going to be dealing with men and those things that can render us ceremonially unclean it doesn't have to be anything that is in and of itself is sinful sometimes we can be rendered impure simply because we come in contact with something sometimes something very natural something that we will come in contact with and it can be related to a disease it can be related to an injury that becomes affected it can be related to unrighteous behavior in the confines of intimacy and sometimes intimacy that is not approved by god that can cause us to become contaminated with a disease and we know today that one of the problems in this society is that there are numerous diseases that are transferred by sexual intimacy it is a major problem today and the bible deals with it because it wants to teach us what's right and what's wrong those things that we should be concerned about those things that we should be monitoring and those things that require us to submit to god's framework god's structure and this is one of the major takeaways from this 15th chapter is that it teaches us to submit to god and his standards we may not understand all of this we may not be able to agree with the rationale behind it we may not know what it is but god does god knows all things so we need to accept it and apply it to our life now before we begin there's something that i must say and that is in a large degree this uh impurity this defilement that which is unclean from a ceremonial standpoint in a large degree we don't deal with that today because some of the things that are required we can't do and therefore in rabbinical judaism they have other things that replace we don't agree with that we want to be people that follow god's word not replace it with man's thoughts or man's solutions but to be under the word of God. But again, because there's no temple, because there's no priesthood, there's no altar, there's no sacrifices today in the biblical sense according to the Torah, we, for the most part, don't deal with these things to the full measure of the Torah. There is a degree of sensitivity to that, but not in the full measure that'll become clearer when we begin so let's do so chapter 15 of the book of leviticus let's begin in verse 1 where it says and the lord spoke to moses and to aaron saying and aaron's included because just like we saw in the last two chapters the priesthood are going to play a major role of restoration they're going to be the ones who god has given discernment to be able to recognize whether something is truly impure unclean of defilement or whether it's not 
So the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, look now to verse 2, Speak to the children of Israel, and you shall say unto them, Ish, Ish, Ish is a man. And when that's repeated twice, Ish, Ish, a man, a man, we can understand it as every man, that this is inclusive for every male. Now, again, I want to pause for a moment and just simply say, do not be brought into this confusion of the world. The world today, they don't understand the simple truth that the Word of God reveals, that in the beginning, God created man, male and female. Man, that Hebrew word Adam, for a human being, there are males and there are females only two genders only two sexes male and female and the fact that we have experts people with phds and doctors that cannot answer how many sexes there are how many genders and isn't that the same thing one sex one's gender well for much of our history it has been they are simply synonyms sex whether it's male or female or gender they mean the same thing and now they are saying no they don't there's only primarily two uh, genders but there's numerous sexes or others will say there's only two sexes but numerous genders i don't get it and i'm glad i don't because god's word rejects all of this nonsense and that's exactly what it is it is to distort it is from the enemy don't take it to heart don't uh, submit to this don't embrace or support or condone their foolishness and that's what it is everyone knows male female just that simple women can have babies men cannot and this whole stupidity about a a man that can give birth because initially this man was was female and now they transgendered all of that is ridiculous all of that is a lie from the enemy so here in verse 2 we're talking about a man meaning every male that's the the implication of that phrase ish ish every male that will be and the next word zav remember that if it's a female, it would be Zava. We'll talk more about that next week when we deal more with women. But if a man has a Zav, what is a Zav? A discharge. There is fluid coming from his body. Now, as we wrap up this last section of, of tonight's message, we're going to be dealing with one particular type of discharge. Now, we're dealing with a wide variety and therefore we need not be more specific because the word of god is not based upon what we see in chapter two we're probably talking about a discharge from the male organ but i'll set that aside others would say no we're also talking about for example a a sore wherever it might be on the body that also is oozing a fluid a liquid it has a discharge so because of what's known as a machloket 
a disagreement, a controversy. Let's just simply leave it in the open way. We're talking about some type of discharge that a man will have, and it says, me bisaro from his flesh. So some part of his flesh is oozing a discharge. And it says, zovo, his discharge, it is impurity or contaminated. It is that which defiles him. It is of defilement, that which is unclean. Verse 3. Because of this, it says, this will be his impurity, his defilement. When he discharges, his discharge is what? His discharge makes him impure. Let me go back to to this verse where it says, verse 3, this is the discharge that makes him impure and his discharge whether it and we have a word rod which means goes down and it's probably having to do with a discharge that is flowing so whether it flows in his flesh or whether it is contained that it is stopped up in his flesh so for example you can have an infection that infection can be in a wide variety of different places in the body it may be oozing out of a sore or you may see it underneath the skin that there is a a yellowish substance that that shows that there is some type of discharge and whatever type it is we see here whether it's moving and going out or whether it's stagnant it says here that this is his uncleansiness this is his impurity verse 4 now if one has such a discharge and right now we don't know much about what type of discharge it is but there's some discharge oozing from his body or can be discerned from underneath the skin by looking at it what do we know we'll look at verse 4 every bed which he will lie upon and who's lying the one who has the discharge if this one who has the discharge should lie upon a bed what is it it is unclean it will be unclean and it says furthermore every vessel every vessel which he will sit upon it this will also be impure so one who has a discharge he lays on a bed or he sits someplace it doesn't make any difference that renders that location impure contaminated profane defiled this is what the scripture's saying and we're going to see that if one comes in contact with it that contamination will also affect him as well why do i say that we'll look at verse verse 5. a man which will touch his bed what must he do so a man who has a discharge is lying on bed and someone comes and touches his bed makes no difference who it is 
If a one who has a discharge is unclean, and he would be if he had it, he lays in his bed, that bed becomes contaminated it and of itself. And therefore, the one who comes and touches it, he will become contaminated. And what is his solution? He will wash his garments and also wash himself in water, and he will be unclean until the evening. Now, we need to point out that this washing in water may, in fact, in fact, most of the rabbinical authorities see this as not taking a bath or a shower or washing in the normal sense, but one would do that, but it involves a immersion, a type of baptism in a certain type of sitting where there is water that is alive, not stagnant water, but water like a river, an ocean, a lake that is fed with springs or a spring that has been made into kind of a a pool where someone could immerse. So this idea of rachatz beimaim, he will wash with water, is probably relating to an immersion. And after he does this, he's unclean until evening, verse 6. And the one who sits upon a vessel, which the zav, this one who has a discharge, will sit upon it. So it's true for a bed, same solution. If you sit, for example, in a chair where this one who has been contaminated, that he has this discharge, he's unclean, he's impure. If he sits in that chair and then you come in contact and sit with it, you also become unclean and you have to wash your garments and also wash yourself in water again probably speaking of an immersion and this one who has sat there after he has washed his garments and washed himself and immersed he's unclean until the evening verse 7 the one who touches the flesh of this one who has the discharge so now i'm not touching the bed i'm not sitting where he sits but I'm touching him. And in that case, what does the scripture say? In that case, if you should touch such a one, again, we're in verse 7, the one who touches the flesh of one who has a discharge, he too will wash his garments and he will wash in water this immersion and he will be unclean until evening. Verse 8. And that he should spit. Now, if you look and do a good study, it may not be an intentional spitting, but simply one is speaking. It happens perhaps accidentally and not with intent, but he spat upon. Here again, purely by accident, it makes no difference whether it's intentional or not. If that should happen, what does the scripture say? For if the one who has the discharge, he will spit upon one who is pure. This one who has been pure, what must he do? He's no longer pure because he's been spat on by one who has a discharge. And therefore, he will will wash his garments and wash himself with water, and he's unclean until the evening. Now, that's if he washes himself and his clothes. If he doesn't, 
that tuma, that that impurity, that ceremonial uncleansiness remains. Verse 9. Now we're going to deal with what we might translate as a word for a saddle. You ride a horse. Normally you set upon a saddle. So if you're riding an animal that has something that you sit upon that your skin's not touching that that animal but you're sitting on like a saddle it says here look at verse 9 and every saddle which the one who has a discharge shall sit upon it will be unclean verse 10 and everyone who touches with anything which is underneath this one will be unclean until evening and also the one who carries them so we're dealing with something that someone can sit upon like a saddle or a blanket or something along those lines in this case because it is a second vessel you're not sitting on the bed but you're sitting on something that this one has set upon and therefore there's a difference law he's unclean from evening and it says the one who carries such things he will wash his garments and and wash himself in water and is unclean in the evening so the one who carries these things it's more serious than the one simply who comes in contact with them based upon what is said in verse 10 now verse 11 and all which the one who has a discharge should touch it so everything the one who has that discharge should touch what does the scripture say well in this case everything that that he should touch with his hands that have not been washed in water and the implication is washed washed immediately before what happens well if i should touch something that he's touched and he just didn't wash his hands before touching it then i would have to wash my garments and be immersed wash myself in water and be unclean until the evening verse 12. now the word of god is going to become very specific we're going to be talking about some vessels and in this case the first one is a vessel that many times in english we would say an earthen vessel what's an earthen vessel an earthen vessel is made from for example clay and clay is porous what do i mean by that because it's porous it can absorb absorb things it absorbs water it can absorb impurity and because of that it's going to have a different halakha a different law attached to it we'll see that in a moment but look at our text where we left off look at verse verse 12 a vessel of cherish what is that that is an earthen vessel which the unclean person that one who is has the discharge should touch it what happens well if it's an earthen vessel and a person who's in that state of of ceremonial uncleansiness that vessel that porous one that earthen one must be broken but every vessel of wood only has to be uh, rinsed with water so the rinsing uh, with the water 
restores it. But that cannot be done to an earthen vessel. Why? Well, a clay vessel will absorb that water. So it's not going to be allowed to be cleansed like a wooden vessel can. A wooden one doesn't absorb the water in the same way. Look now to verse 13. And when the one who has a discharge is purified from his discharge. Now, here when it says purified, what it means is simply that discharge has ceased. It is no longer visible. It is not discharging anymore. There's no oozing of any fluid. So this is what it's initially speaking of in verse verse 13. Look again. For when the one who has a discharge is purified from his discharge, what does he do? It's no longer visible. There's no evidence anymore that the discharge is present. It has stopped. It's dried up. But it doesn't mean that he can go back immediately to that which is normal. It says, keep reading in the middle of verse 13, and he should count for himself seven days for his purification. So let's say that he has this discharge from his body where it makes no difference. It stops. And he's looked at it usually according to the authorities. If you notice it in the morning, then you should wait one full day or at least until evening. And if there's no discharge, then beginning that night, you count seven complete days. So that's why you begin in the evening. And if it's totally uh, dried up, you haven't seen it all day, you count seven complete days. And then the scripture says, and he shall wash his garments and wash his flesh in living water. So, maim chayim, living water, and purify. He purifies himself. But it doesn't end then. Why? Look at verse 14. And on the eighth day, he will take for himself, meaning for his purification, for himself, two turtle doves or two uh, pigeons, and he shall come before the Lord at the the door of the Ohel Moed, the tent of meeting. And he shall give them to the priest. So he gives either these two doves or these two pigeons, he gives them to the priest. Look at verse 15. And the priests shall make with them one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. So the priest can atone for him before the Lord from his discharge. So even though it's a sin offering, it's relating to the effects of original sin. For example, you uh, cut yourself, it becomes infected, and you have a discharge. Well, there's nothing necessarily sinful in your life. But that, that condition, the fact that there is infection, 
wouldn't have been infection in the garden of eden god did not create infections and diseases and sickness they came into the world as a consequence of sin therefore because we have an evidence of that there is a sin offering that's made and also a burnt offering that is offered up in order to for the cone that he will make atonement for him for this one before the lord from his discharge verse 16 and the man that goes out from him now we have a different matter we're in verse 16 and we're going to do three more verses 16 17 and 18 and here we're dealing with a special discharge and that is of that fluid that only men have and it's involved in giving conception and therefore if we read it in verse 16 every man that should go out from him and we have what's called shikvat zara which is a a biblical term for semen what happens after such a discharge for whatever reason it says he shall wash in water and again most of the rabbinical authorities agree this is an immersion he shall wash in water all of his flesh and he's unclean until evening so if that happens anytime after sundown he's going to after the discharge he's going to wash and that is immerse in a a immersion place and he's going to be unclean until that that evening of the conclusion of that current day that he's in and it says look at verse 17 and every garment and every and this is word or which is leather so every garment and this would be like a a garment of cloth or clothing or anything that is made of skin leather that will be upon him or upon this that that has gotten upon it whether it's a garment or leather what has gotten upon it this shikvat zara semen what must he do he must wash that in water and that will continue in that that category that that status as unclean until the evening so whether it's the person or something that that fluid has come in contact with it must be washed and then only in that evening when the sun goes down that that following day so if it happens let's just say in the middle of the night well it must be cleansed but it's not until the end of that day so it may happen let's just say at nine o'clock at night and the person deals with it in the morning well it's in the setting of the sun that there will be a change in status that's what we read in verse verse uh, uh 17. it will be unclean until evening last verse verse 18. now we're dealing with for the first time not just a male but now a female a woman 
and we can see why we're dealing with a man and a female because of the subject that we have just entered into a discharge from that unique fluid that gives life from the male and what do we see well notice let's read carefully verse 18 which is our last verse and a woman that will lie a male with her so a male lies with a woman but literally says a woman in which a male will lie with her and this is an idiom for relations intimate relations between a male and a female and during this time there is that emission of what's shikvat zara that that male fluid it says here they so it's the same rule for a male or a female what must they do they must wash in water and again most see this as an immersion they will wash with water and they will be unclean until the evening now before we conclude let me simply say next week we're going to begin in verse 19 there's going to be an emphasis a larger emphasis on women and their customary discharge each month and we're going to make a distinction between that type of discharge and one that's irregular whether it's a different type of discharge or that same type but at an unusual time not its customary time this can show a problem a health problem so we're going to be dealing with that but let me simply conclude by saying this again all these things there doesn't have to be anything that's sinful this can be a man and a woman within the confines of the marital covenant doing what is natural but and doing what is commanded for the purpose of intimacy or the purpose of children but that act because semen has to do with life and therefore if it's not used or what's not used of it for conception it renders something impure contaminated unclean defiled and we need to deal with that not always is it something sinful but that which is natural can still contaminate and let me just conclude by saying this is huge it has significant implications why some people will think simply because it's natural it's okay no there's many things that are natural that are part of how our body functions but it renders us spiritually in an adverse situation and we need to deal with it and if not what the torah is saying and of course when it talks about offering up uh, to with the priests two pigeons or two turtle doves and such it's only when you have an active priesthood we don't today you must have a an altar we don't today there's no temple so today we're dealing in a different disposition dispensation we need to remember that we cannot apply the full torah to our lives today because there's no temple and other reasons as well this is a good indication and judaism teaches that why we're not under the mosaic law we can't be without a temple and the fact that and i'm speaking mostly to believers the fact that we're believers 
and we have received that sacrifice of messiah that also has serious implications for us where we are under not the letter of the law but the intent the spiritual aspect of the law and the only way to fulfill that is by walking in obedience to the leadership of the spirit so i realize that that what we have studied tonight may not be of the greatest interest to most of us and may be dealing with some subjects that are best left alone or in privacy but it is the word of god and there is a spiritual discipline in dealing with all of god's word and looking for as believers how we apply the the truth of this to our life ceremonial uncleansiness has some relevant implications for us today it teaches us about the necessity of submitting to god in every aspect of our life and not just thinking that because something is natural in this world that it's acceptable to god well i'll close with that until next week when we complete god willing chapter 15 of the book of leviticus until that time my hope is that god will minister and bless you and your family that you will prosper in health and in every aspect of your life and that you will know the shalom of the lord every day of your life for this is our prayer in yeshua's name amen until next week shalom well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org again to find out more about us please visit our website loveisrael.org there you will find articles and numerous other lectures by baruch these teachings are in video form you may download them or watch them in streaming video until next week may the lord bless you in our messiah yeshua that is jesus as you walk with him shalom from israel